And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Health and Human Potential Show. This is episode 116 with Jess Johnson. Before we dive into that, I want to share with you that I am preparing to launch a completely new coaching and educational platform called the School for Human Potential. And I'm about to do a live video-based training and presentation on October 3rd and October 11th for hundreds of people all over the world. And I want to invite you to be a special guest. All you have to do is go to www.theschoolforhumanpotential.com and then all the information will be laid out for you. You can register there and get ready for an incredible presentation where I take you through a process of integration and self-mastery and show you the master keys of making your life a masterpiece. So again, the website is theschoolforhumanpotential.com. So diving into today's show with Jess Johnson or Jess Magic, this is one of my very, very close friends and someone that I have an incredible amount of respect for. She is a humanitarian. She is an artist, a recording artist, a musical artist. She is a heartist, as we talk about in our episode. She is an activist. She is a woman with a message, and she is doing some incredible things in the world. And this episode was phenomenal, and it went in a number of different directions. So I'm going to leave that a little bit of a mystery, and just I'm actually going to just invite you to you know, sit down, get comfortable, or maybe go for a walk, whatever feels 
comfortable for you and just get ready for an incredible conversation of the hearts and of the minds and let's see where it takes us all. Enjoy this conversation between myself and Jess Johnson. More than a singer, Jess Magic is a musical storyteller who creates compelling invitations for people to interact with life from an open heart. In a world where so many are longing for deeper levels of connection, authentic expression, and intimacy, Jess weaves a spell of love with each song and each story to reveal aspects of the human experience that penetrate and crack open the hearts of those who are touched by her presence. As a mistress of ceremonies, a speaker, and a social entrepreneur, Jess Magic uses her voice as a vehicle to shift predominant attitudes, feelings, and behaviors from a consumer to creator by breaking down the barrier between the artist and the audience and giving people permission to be raw, real, and to rise into their own form of expression and heart history. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I have my eyes closed with my little rose quartz on my heart. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And as I was as I was reading that bio, I was getting tingles because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I've, I've known you over this last year or so, um, and getting to know you and seeing the unfoldment of my own experience of you has been absolutely incredible. It's been beautiful. And, um, even more was revealed to me things that I kind of already knew, but it just, I kind of got this little goosebumps Mm -hmm. like, wow, this, this is, this is going to be an incredible interview, obviously. But beyond that, the energy that you're infusing into the world, uh, you already, you know, how I feel about that is, is invaluable. It's absolutely necessary. And it's a conversation that I think is going to help remodel the hearts and minds of generations to come. So it's actually just a really great honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. That, that moves me deeply. And I, and I, I feel, I feel the truth and the recognition in that so much. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into, hmm, heartistry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what, what is, what is, you know, with your, with your, with your work, with your, your musical expression, your social entrepreneurship, how does that all weave in together with, with this idea of heart history? Mm, Yeah. I love, I love talking about this. I, you know, I had, I came from a background of, I would say more social entrepreneurship and, um, activism. And now I would call it sacred activism, but at the time it was more traditional activism. I, I started a nonprofit that was dedicated towards healing the root causes of sexual violence. And, you know, that's, I, I really dove deep into some of the most dense and dark aspects of humanity. Mm. And, um, and even within that, I still, I found myself with a profound sense of love for, mm. for everyone, even the, you know, in that world, it's a lot around victim perpetrator labeling, mm. polarizing. And I found myself constantly able to kind of have compassion for the, 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 every being that has been brought up in a, a container and a culture that perpetuates these things where people aren't supported in those ways. And so, you know, that was the, some of the roots 
of, of my social entrepreneurship. But then around Heartistry, it was, I started, like I was given the message from life that I needed to, which is a very interesting thing. I'm sure some of your other guests, and I know you've gotten these messages where it's like, wait a minute, I've poured everything everything into this organization, everything, everything I know is about building programs and like going into schools and working with survivors and blah, blah, blah. Like it was my whole world. And I was so passionate about it. And life was like, it was almost like burning bush moment of like, Mm. you must go to your next mission. And I'm like, all right, life, what's my next mission? And, um, and I didn't get an answer. So I started dabbling and what I was I was also going through a very, very um, intense breakup with my fiance at the time. And I was feeling so much grief and so much pain in my heart and deep heartbreak for the first time. Mm. And I started singing. I started like pouring that grief into music and I would use any opportunity that anybody with a guitar, I'd be like, play something. And I would just start freestyling Mm. and I would just sing that these songs of my heart. And so I didn't yet feel like I was good enough, quote unquote, to call myself an artist, mm. but I felt that what I was creating was so, it was healing for me. It was healing for people around me. It was so raw and so real. I started calling myself, I'm like, I'm not an artist. I'm a hardest. Mm. And all of a sudden mm. the, that word gave me permission to give uh, honor and recognition to this creative expression that was coming through me that was from the deepest place of my heart, even though it wasn't necessarily uh, highly technical or professional or whatever. And so as I started like owning that, as I started just claiming that, I would go and I, I was doing these different workshops and retreats and, and my next mission was starting to unfold mm-hmm. for me. I was um, doing this work that I still do called Free Your Voice and as helping people connect to their voice and really helping people connect to their creative spirit. Um, and part of the way that I would support people in recognizing that is like, what is it that has you when you're doing it, when you're creating it? come alive, Mm. feel love, feel like you're Mm. tapping into a creative part of your life, like life force energy. And for some people, they get to do that in their jobs. So their heartistry is actually also their profession. But for other people, it might be the way that they make lunch for their kids. Like Mm. they do it with so much care and so much love. And they may like, you know, and I don't know if you ever saw mermaids with Cher and Winona Ryder back in the day but like I think about her like she would like make these cookie cutters in the sandwiches so she'd be Mm, making lunch for her kids and she would like just put this and her the daughters were like mom but you know that was how she she was expressing herself and I'm like that's artistry and Mm. for some people building their business or really seeing seeing people the way that they acknowledge somebody might be their artistry like they feel so lit up so it started to become this aspect that I could easily recognize in other people when they were in that. And it's almost like archetypally on some level, it's if you study Joseph Campbell or Carolyn Mace or any of these kind of um, leaders and thought leaders in, in the archetype landscape, it's like the lover meets the artist meets mm-hmm. the healer. Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily like healing yeah. others. You're not necessarily a masseuse or a body worker mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. energy worker, but on some level you're, healing yourself through this artistic expression or you're creating healing fields for others by the level of vulnerability and depth Mm. that you're sharing from. Mm. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm hearing a number of things and, um, 
I recently um, got to sit down with my friend Brandon Hawk, mm-hmm. and we were talking about his whole thing. This, this, okay. So this heart concept. It's interesting to even call it a concept, but it, it, this this, <laughs> this conversation uh-huh. around the heart has been coming up so much more in different areas through different people. And his whole his whole thing is now about heart over hustle. Mm. And so we had an entire an entire conversation around what that means and what that looks like and stepping into this new way of being, um, whether it's as an entrepreneur, as um, any particular format that we might find ourselves in. Um, it's it's leading from the heart mm-hmm. opposed to manipulation and whatever whatever the the prefrontal mind tries to do to figure it out yeah. but to the path to the heart right mm. and so that's why I'm I'm just tuning into to that from different areas how it's coming through so yeah. many different people and um, yeah it's interesting because there there's different science that shares that we have three brains and Mm -hmm. there's the gut brain and Mm -hmm. the heart brain and the mind brain. And, and so there is an actual guiding, there is an actual guiding force that there's a voice. There's actually a guiding voice that's alive inside of our gut, inside of our, for women, a lot of times it could be our womb Mm. and for all beings inside of their heart, you know? And, and because when I first started doing this work, I've been doing this for a while now, but when I first started doing it, I was always, worried that it was going to be too woo or, you know, Mm. too spiritual sounding or whatever. And and I would, I would feel argumentative around that because I'm like, everyone has a human, every human has a heart. Like we all have a heart. So, um, I know that, and now I feel like there's a lot of even corporations that are putting love as one of their, you know, core values, which is beautiful, but there is a difference between like you even caught yourself. There is a difference between the concept of the heart and the freaking embodied resonant reality of like, how does your heart feel when Mm. it beats in your body? And when does it close up and when does it feel numb and when does it protect itself and when is it open and undefended? And so for me, the journey of being a heartist has had me be incredibly present to tracking the, the actual feeling of my heart in every moment. Like, when do I feel the most open? When do I feel the most closed? I look at my past and I can track when, when I was feeling numb. And, you know, that's the, like, to me, one of the biggest blessings of my life is the different pivot points where, uh, or defining moments where I've moved from numbness to wild feeling and wild sensation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, Mm. Like I know a lot of the people that you interview also, and probably a lot of your listeners are interested in consciousness in different ways. And, mm-hmm. um, there is an aspect of, uh, the, I just lost my train of thought, but there is an aspect of the awakening of mm. the heart that's mm-hmm. really relevant. Mm-hmm. It's really relevant to that. Yes. Yeah. I, I would say like, it has to be the most relevant thing, right? Because from every perspective, so I've spent the last 10 years, pioneering conversations in the holistic health world and the the nutrition world. And, and when you study basic physiology and biochemistry, um, and longevity and, and, and everything around, like even the microbiome, like if you want to go super mechanical in that sense, 
then it it all leads to the human heart. Like yes. even our vagus nerve that connects to the brain and then goes down into the gut, mm. which we the gut brain, the enteric nervous system. Yeah. That all has its way throughout the cardiovascular system and that is basically your cardio brain and and um, which is your heart. Yeah. And so and then there's the the, the heart math institute. Yeah. So then there's that level of scientific validation. I find it interesting that um Human beings, all of us included, have have needed, I guess, or have sought out these hard metrics for why the heart <laughs> is relevant. Yeah. Um, and, you, and really, we've come to a place of so much information now that you can't escape it. So that's good. Yeah. However, I do still. I'm finding myself in this conversation, realizing, like, wow, like. I've spent so much of my life looking for proof. Yeah. Um, and yet now I'm kind of finding like, wow, that not that it was a waste of time at all, but it's led me to this realization that there's some things that are that are omnipresent and unprovable at the same time. Yes. It's it's you know, one thing that's become clear to me that I hear in your conversation is that uh I think we're not even, I think most humans aren't even aware of how often we're somehow just seeking safety and Mm -hmm. because of the tenderness of the heart, like, and, and you would be able to speak to this even more scientifically than I can, but the way that I understand it in, in the heart chakra or in the heart energy center, there's actually two parts. There's the, um, it's not the piriform, no, there's the pericardium. Mm. There's the outer, Mm. basically there's an outer layer of the heart. That's like the sac that serves Mm. to protect. It's almost like a protective membrane. Mm. And then there's the inner part of the heart, which is like the the purest core center Mm. of the heart. And so, so many people have had some moment in their life, whether it was like somebody calling them a name when they were four years old and so innocent and tender. And all they were was that open heart or there something happening with their parents or their parents getting divorced and them, having this idea that it was about them that we, most of us have had some form of heartbreak at some point or some moment when the pure tenderness of our heart was punctured. And then that, uh, I believe it's called the pericardium, but don't quote me on that. But then there's that outer layer of the heart that will then close up around that and become more protective over it. Does it, it's like calcifies almost? It almost calcifies. So it's almost like, it's almost like the way that I look at it is almost like a big brother or a big sister that's like, I will never let anybody hurt you again. And so it's well intended, but it can have a numbing effect. It can have a hardening effect. It can feel like armor. Yes. Yes. And then that starts to be like that, that, that we start to go through life with this armor or this guardedness Mm. and it's not until, and then, you know, we may have these, and then it can be a heartbreak, like in, in, when we get older in romance or a loss where it can open us back up, it can pierce through Mm. that. And then we almost have this choice point of whether we use that heartbreak as an opportunity to open it Mm. or whether it becomes numb again. And we're like, see, see what happens when you open, you get hurt, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like kind of a part of my, my work is like, is making it safe for when the heart breaks to like, let it break open. And Mm. part of that has just been my own personal journey, but also this deep knowing that this heart work has to not be a concept and it has to be an embodied experience. It has, we have to feel the emotions and to circle back with what you were saying around, you know, that journey of going into the, 
like studying around the heart mm-hmm. and proving mm-hmm. around the heart. Mm-hmm. It's like for a heart that doesn't yet feel safe to feel, mm. the mm. mind is going to be the safest track for it to start to uh, almost reconcile that. It's like, it's way safer yeah. to be like, well, and you just spend four years studying the, the concept of why the heart matters rather than freaking direct access. Yes. Go in there, get yes. in there, like mm. roll up your sleeves, feel the things you haven't felt. And um, so I'm really passionate, as you can probably tell by my voice. Yeah, it's about amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's so amazing. And one of the things that came up for me that I've actually, I've, I've spoken to people about over the years is the fact that heart disease is the number one yes. killer in the world. Yes. And it's a fa- not an accident. It's not an accident. It's a fascinating metaphor. And, um, and there's, there's different aspects around it. There's the, and, and it's a whole different conversation. There's the obvious environmental health, dietary lifestyle aspects, which are critical. And then there's also an interesting metaphor wrapped into it, how we've, as a culture, we've, we've disconnected from our heart and it atrophies and it calcifies and it hardens, as you said. So like what I'm noticing in the world of, of health is that health is basically like what I would define wellness and health as a levitational characteristic. It's, it's the opposite of entropy and disease and degenerations and entropic effect on the body. It's basically a gravitational kind of pressure that gets put on the body and gets put on the spirit. And there's this hardening that happens. So when people are like, they have their business ties and their business suits and they're like, this is the way business is done and the bottom line. And it's very hard and like contractive. And I just think like, wow, it's such an interesting metaphor for the actual kind of the, the end byproduct of, you know, just the, the health crisis that we see in the world. Mm. Yeah. I feel that I'm so glad you're speaking to that. And I'm, I'm just so present to how much I appreciate you and your work in this conversation because so much of, of my work, I've been like, I just want to be able to collaborate with people that have Mm. more of the science mind and can bring, almost can bring the proof to it because I've never needed proof. You know, it's not, it's just not my makeup. It's not my constitution. I, I feel what I feel and I know what I know. And my being is like, that's it. I have very clear body cues of what's like, what, you know, what's, what's true, what's not true. And and I listen to those cues, but uh, I really respect and, and honor that we are made up of a world of there's polarities and there's, um, Mm. contrast mm-hmm. and there is paradox and we need to be able to yeah. respect all of it in order to do the work at the deepest level. So I really love when you bring in these scientific aspects of it because my, everything in my being knows it, but I can't always rattle off the science to be mm-hmm. like, this is why, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, so I really respect the pieces that you, that you bring into this mm-hmm. conversation. Thank you. I, mm-hmm. I mean, thank you so much. And as you're saying that I'm seeing, you know, it's just like a convergence, right? And everyone has a unique gift. And I think one of the things that you had mentioned to me before we got on, just on a personal level, and I have no problem being totally, totally transparent or vulnerable on these recordings at this point, um, but you had mentioned to me about my my journey into trust and picking up on that. And I I was like, yeah, like my mind just still thinks that it needs to manipulate Mm -hmm. subtly to get somewhere. And it's like, that's actually, that's actually the, 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 the block. 
And, and so it's like, so I think what, what I'm hearing from you and where this conversation is leading into the heartistry, let's talk about trust. Yeah. Cause I think that's the, that is really <laughs> what yes, it's all that's about. My favorite right? topic. One of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What, what's, um, yeah, I guess I'll just say, I'll ask like, what's, what's your journey with trust? And, and yeah, I'll leave it that for a moment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like even you asking me that, like I feel some emotion. Mm. Um, I almost feel like trust is a lover. Like I feel like trust is one of my lovers, one of my great lovers. Um, mm. Like I trust trust. <laughs> I, I trust myself so much and I think I see I see so much in people when they're not trusting themselves because here's the thing and it's directly related to self-love and when you really start to love who you are when you really start to love who you are and you really it, it like lets you trust who you are and when you really start to trust who you are you start to love who you are and I'll just share a, a little story I I did, um, I mentioned before this, this deep heartbreak that I had had. And after that heartbreak, it was another kind of like burning bush moment where the, where life is like, um, you can use this opportunity. You could either bypass this and keep doing, mm. staying busy, doing mm. your thing, mm. being committed to your purpose, rocking your nonprofit, blah, 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 all and justify it all the way. Um, or you can use this to turn over every stone. And look into every corner and see where your shadows are, where your darkness is, what pieces of your own being created the chaos that had this relationship end. And I was like, I'll take two. I'll take door number two. Wow. And it was edgy for me because I had to feel all my feelings and, and really do a deep dive and, and explore parts of myself that weren't vulnerable and explore parts of myself that I wasn't proud of and shame and mm. all these things. Mm. And, um, and yet... What happened in that journey? Again, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, okay. So what happened? Give me one second. So I did this meditation, a deep mm-hmm. meditation. And I went into this meditation basically like, I'm willing to see whatever I need to see. I'm willing to see if there's a part of me that's evil. Mm, And mm, I mm. was so, so available for that. And that's freaking intense because I always related to myself. If there was one thing I never questioned is that I'm a good person. Like I Mm. never, at the very rock bottom, I'm like, well, at least I'm a good person. You know what I mean? Like I always could like fall back on that. But I went into this meditation very, very willing to see. I'm like, life, show me. If I'm evil, if there's a part of me that is just dark and evil and mean and scary and malicious, show me. I'll, I'm, I want to see. And mm-hmm. so I did. I went deep, 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 deep. And what I saw was I saw my heart opening around the entire universe. Like I saw my heart opening and, and enfolding all of life not even the planet, like all the galaxies, all of the star systems, like opening so wide. And life was basically like, this is who you are actually. Like, not only are you not evil, but like, this is who you are. And I felt it. And it was this moment where 
from that moment on, like no matter what happened, even if I made a mistake or I hurt someone's feelings or like, I always, I had that in my code. It's Mm -hmm. like, I knew my code and I trusted myself. And there was times where I would say something that wasn't popular. There was times that I'd be in a room full of powerful men and I would feel myself being guided to speak to the feminine in a way that isn't, you know, people don't always like in mm-hmm. those circles. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, fuck, I trust. Sorry, I swore on. Is that okay? All good. Yeah, um, go for it. I, I'd just be like, is this, do I really have to do this? And then I would be infused with that spirit of trust. You know who you are. And I would just show up in that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, and it wasn't always well received. There was times when, but I would, I always, but I trusted that whoever needed to hear and could hear did hear. Mm-hmm. And so I would walk away and it was like, it's almost like any of that middle school or high school part of like, are you not going to be invited back to the party because you danced on the table or, you know what I mean? Right, Whatever right, the thing right. Is, it's like, no, my, be- my being wanted to dance on the table and I'm proud of that. You know, there's this part of me that, yeah. that like literally got solidified and integrated around how much I trust myself. And so it gave me permission. And so I think, you know, in addition to calling myself a hardest, I also call myself a permissionary because I feel like part of the way I express in life is uh, rooted in this deep sense of trust I have. Like, I trust who I am. I trust my foundation. I trust the love that I am. I trust my intention. It doesn't mean, again, that I'm always perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm always well-received. Mm-hmm. But I do also know how to stand in the wake and any consequences of me being mm-hmm. authentic. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to stand in those consequences. And that does take a level of courage. And it does take a level of self-love because sometimes you can't rely on the fact that other people are going to love you. But you have to, but it, like you you start to develop, I've started to develop a sense of self-respect mm-hmm. because every time I trust myself and show up in a certain way and say what needs to be said or speak to what I see, I feel like I can take a big breath because I didn't stunt that or hold that back or modulate or modify myself to be pleasing to someone else. You just said, um, first of all, yes, (laughs) I I don't, I don't want to speak too quickly. I want to pause on what you just said to let it sink in. Um, and you just said it takes a level of courage and a level of self love. And immediately what came up to my mind was self love, not self sacrifice. And I think, I know for me, because I was raised in a particular way, in a particular path, in a warrior culture, that um, that could get mixed up pretty quickly. And I find um, a lot of people, the mission, that are philanthropic, that are humanitarian, that are are, – vegan activists like like uh, there's there is this sense of like on the mission that there's a devaluing of self yeah and so that self-love can or or where self-love could and should be placed self-sacrifice oftentimes fills the void yes yes love and i i feel like that's what's in this new earth or in this mm. golden age or in this next era that we're ushering into, I feel like that's one of the, there, there's a few distinctions that are going to help us with our, our encoding mm. and how do we live in this new way? Mm-hmm. And I think you just nailed it. That's one of the distinctions like self-love instead of self-love replaces self-sacrifice. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we don't honor and respect the wisdom that came from all of the teachers Absolutely. and all of the warriors and all of the 
sacred activists, yes. you know, and all the, I mean, for me, a lot of like the feminists who sacrificed their actual femininity mm. to have their voice be wow. heard. Oh, that makes me want to cry. Yes. Like, I just want to honor them. Like I want to honor the feminists who sacrifice their femininity so their voice could be heard. Like, and there's that, that there, there, there is that archetype across so many different disciplines mm. that have helped us be where we are. But mm. right now, we are the bridgers and right now we are the ones who are helping usher usher in this new way. And part of that is healing the like and acknowledging the old ways and embracing these new ways. So, you know, as a piece to like to just offer you even in terms of that integration yes. of that shift from self-sacrifice <laughs> to self-love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think that that's such a powerful part of this new code that we can carry. Absolutely. I will take that too. Cause that's, this is, this is hugely a part of my journey. Yeah. You know, the reason I do these, these podcast interviews is because I get the direct medicine of the mm. conversations. Mm-hmm. And then also it's, it's cathartic for me to be able to, to blast this out into the world yeah. and have thousands of people immediately listen to it. Mm. And to get the responses from people is, is beautiful and also this is largely for me just so everyone's clear like to put these podcasts together is a lot of work i mean this is up this is probably episode like 115 ish i think something like that yeah within like a little over just a year yeah um you know on top of everything else so like i say that to to say like i'm doing this largely for me and there's a side benefit that's pretty immense that it goes out to the world at large that gets to hear these conversations. Well, I want to honor that, honey, because that is actually self-love, yeah. not self-sacrifice. Yes. That is an example of that. It's like if you weren't clear on what you're getting out of it and it was yeah. just you pouring your time and your energy and your talent into this so that the world could yes. receive the benefit, then there'd be an aspect still yeah. of self-sacrifice. And resentment would inevitably creep in. Totally. And you'd yeah. get, you know, when you, the beautiful comments of people that helps nourish that part, but right. like the fact that you can claim that and own that and share that and declare mm-hmm. that is so powerful because it's just, it's a reinforcement of like, Hey, I'm, I'm loving myself in doing this. Yes, it's work, but I'm receiving so many direct benefits. So I just want to reflect and honor Mm. that aspect of you you. embodying that and living that and being congruent with that. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing. Um, Brandon Hawk had mentioned in our recent interview, he was just like, he's like, I want to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all for me. I'm, I'm actually not into serving other people from a coaching perspective. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, it was really beautiful. Cause he's like, I wish coaches would just be honest Yeah. instead of like just saying, Oh, I'm here to serve you. He's like, I'm not actually here to serve you or anyone. I'm here to serve myself yeah. and I'm, I'm getting paid to go through healing. And so for his whole thing was like, it's actually healing for me to do the work I do. Yes. And, uh, and to be honest about that, right? Like, and stop making up these stories about like, well, I'm just, I'm doing it for the world, but it's not really, it's not really about me. It's, it's about me and we. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, and for us to be able to call bullshit on ourselves is so good. (laughs) Like, oh, you're this, this, uh, this altruistic, Altruistic. it's like, no, I'm narcissistic sometimes. I'm altruistic. And 
my goal is to be in perfect harmony yeah. with both of those, yeah. those pieces. And, and, you know, and that's a beautiful thing about, uh, I've, I haven't directly talked about the rebalancing of the feminine, mm. but, um, that's another mm. part of my, my world and a part of my work and a part of my passion. But a part of what the feminine inside of us represents is non-rejection. Mm. And a part of this, Ooh. there's a part of, I think, the wound that we're healing from right now is this aspect of where we've rejected parts of ourselves, where we've pushed them into the shadow, where we've shamed them, where we've stuffed them under the rug, where we've tried to kill them, kill the ego, you know, like there's so many things that are really like harmful. Really violent. They're really violent. <laughs> like don't kill your ego. That's probably part of what's keeping you alive. Totally. Actually. Yeah. So don't kill it, yeah. embrace it and harmonize with it. Mm. And, and I think this piece that I'm hearing from you around that altruism and narcissism mm. and, and harmonization is, is an aspect of non-rejection and yes. self-awareness and, and, and again, harmony, like yes. how do we harmonize all parts of ourselves as we do that internally, then we'll be able to do that in the world around us and we'll be able to see even, you know, and this is, I think Donald Trump is giving us a really mm. interesting mm-hmm. note mm-hmm. in the whole orchestra yeah. and yeah. it may be a dissonant note. You know, we yeah. may be like, Ooh, that instrument is out of tune. But that, that instrument's been playing underneath the surface. But it's been playing. It's just yeah. been kind of like less loud. He's a really loud dissonant note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we're like, Oh wow, someone just turned up the volume on that dissonant note and there's all these other beings that are emerging that are like, yeah, that's our note too, you know? And we're like, Whoa, that's loud. But it's not that it hasn't been there. It's just that we haven't been hearing it or we've been kind of like pushing that note in the Mm. corner or, Mm. or that note just hasn't had the volume up Mm. now the volume's up. And so it's our work to even like get even louder and more present with tuning our own instruments so that we can start to use our own calibration to at some point that dissonance is either going to be like um, harmonized out or mm. there, there's going to be a tuning. They're going to be like, Oh, we need to like tune our instrument back so that we can be mm. in resonance with mm-hmm. the rest of this orchestra. Mm-hmm. So, and I love using music metaphors because I think for me, music is such a big tool of, uh, it's a unifying aspect. It's a super power for the hardest movement, um, mm-hmm. because of how music goes beyond the mind and penetrates straight into the heart. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, would you like to play us a little song? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, at first, you know, it's funny, like I'll, I'll be in, um, part of the way that I express as a hardest is I have my ukulele with me all the time. It's so nice. Cause it's, I can travel with it. I call it my favorite traveling companion, my most loyal friend. Um, and I used to, in Ubers, I would like, go, I would have it with me. And so a lot of times, you know, Uber or Lyft drivers, you know, they're usually pretty pleasant, but sometimes they're grumpy. And Mm -hmm. so I would do this practice where I would interview my Lyft or Uber driver or taxi driver. And they, something about what they would say would make me know what song to sing them. And I would Mm -hmm. sing them a song and it would be kind of like almost a song darshan. Um, or a song blessing for them. And, and they would be so blown away and surprised because no one ever does that for them in the Uber. Most people just are on their phone or whatever. Mm. And, um, so I was asking myself before this interview, I'm like, what's the song that might want to come through? And I think the song that I'm going to sing 
is a, I've used this in workshops actually to elicit people's story. Mm. And it's basically like I created this template that anyone's story can be inserted into. And so what I'm going to sing is actually the first story. The first verse is my story Mm. boiled down to an essence. And then the next four, three or four verses are other people's stories that I invited in and synthesized into a verse. And, um, so that's what I'll, that's what I'll sing. And maybe you can listen for any part that feels like it hits on part of your story or maybe we'll, um, take your story and turn it into a verse at some point and send it out to your peeps. Sweet.
the part where if you're sitting at home, you can sing along. so much for sharing your gift and your artistry with all of us mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. was there a verse in there that that stuck out to you or mm. landed for you I think I was just um, the second one in particular I think kind of uh, laid something out for me yeah. there's something in there for me I, all of it though like I could just feel my my heart flowing with the whole mm. the whole uh, the whole song and just being here with you is like medicine. Uh-huh. So thank you. Thank you, love. Yeah. It's such a it's such an honor and such a pleasure. And thank you for inviting me to sing a song and you know to bring that aspect because I I do believe that music is medicine. And, mm. Um. Mm-hmm. Even my music project is called Heart Medicine. You know, it's just 
it, it is. So thank you for being so available for that. And thank you for the, the medicine that you, that you give all of us through this, this work. Mm, yeah. Mm, my pleasure. Uh, where can everybody find out about you, your music and everything? Mm -hmm. So my website is jessmagic.com. Mm -hmm. My Instagram is yes, Jess magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can also find me under Jess magic on Facebook and, um, and then I have my music project, heartmedicine.love. Cool. So there's, I'm working on a new EP right now out of my house right here, the music mm -hmm. house, mm -hmm. and uh, with some, an amazing producer called Angus Wilson, who you're going to be interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just really some exciting stuff happening, mm -hmm. and um, and I really invite anybody to reach out, connect, and and even share song ideas for songs and things like that. I love co-creating. As you said in my bio, one of my mm. pieces is around breaking down the barrier between the art artist and the audience. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really even consider myself a singer. I'm more of a songversationalist. Like I love <laughs> talking to people and being like, oh, that's a song mm. and having it be a co-creative process. So I really invite, you know, anybody in your, in your sphere to, to reach out and mm -hmm. about, about co-creating together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, it was an honor. Thank you so much for having me over and uh, doing this uh, conversation with me. Thank you, love. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Love you. Yeah, you too. <laughs>